Welcome to episode 68 of the Final Corner Podcast, an episode that's going to be full of thrills and excitement because it was British Touring Cars and also there was a Miami Grand Prix, which we've got different opinions about, which will be nice this week. Tom, Nick, welcome as always. Hello. Hello. Touring Cars back at Brands Hatch. We're going to kick off with that. How did you enjoy the weekend? Yeah, it was it was good to see some dry running as, again. It's been a while. Yeah, it was a very exciting weekend. Yeah, really would like to echo those thoughts. Fantastic, enjoyable, arms out, controversial, wet qualifying, and the return of the different tyre compounds, which I wasn't opposed to in this scenario. No, it didn't really... It didn't annoy me as it has in recent years. It was, uh, yeah. it was still good racing. You could see it had a big impact on the running, but it was still mm. very good racing. Yeah, Osborne in race two was particularly uh, made, you know, used the soft tyre to his advantage. Couldn't get my words out there, apologies. But we'll have to see what it's like on bigger tracks. But for now, it seems maybe like the difference between the two is slightly turned down a bit. Don't know. Or maybe it was just a use in combination with ballast was a bit too excessive. Yeah. Oh, with the hybrid rather than the ballast. Yeah. No, I meant in previous years, oh, sorry, and yes. 75 kilos combined, yeah. if you had someone that was way lighter and had a soft tyre, yes, okay, maybe yeah, that yeah. made it a bit too over the top. Whereas hybrid doesn't seem to have as much effect as ballasted, so therefore it seems yeah, more reasonable. It's kind of hard to tell if anyone's on a particular tyre as well, and you don't really need to know. Qualifying then, Nick, do you want to take this one? Oh, it was just a, a multitude of red flags, pretty much. Um, it was monsoon level conditions. And pretty much every time someone went out, somebody flew off the track or crashed or whatever. But eventually, uh, at the end of the session, it seemed to settle down a bit more. Fastest laps were flying in a little bit. Uh, yeah, we started off with Nick Halstead flying off after an- another gamble attack, it looked like. Oh, there was contact, wasn't it, between the two? Yes. Uh, it was yeah. unclear whether one was on a fast lap, one wasn't, or, or what. But Yeah, because normally, if it's dry, if you're on a fast lap, you have your headlights on. But in the rain, yeah. everybody does. Yes. Um, yeah, then Nick Hamilton had a spin, which wasn't too bad. He <laughs> parked it up and then... Adam Morgan comes 360 spinning towards him and just crashes into him. That's the most unfortunate accident. I know. I've seen in a long time. Poor Nick. Uh, and he wasn't anyone to go off there. I think, didn't Butcher have a moment before oh, that? Oh, yes, several people did. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, Will Power just flew into the barriers at Druids. Uh, presumably locked a brake and that was it. Uh, but it looked mm. like he didn't even bother slowing down. Yeah, it just was like, oh, hang on a minute, there's a corner there? Yeah, and then Sam Osborne flew off into the barriers, did quite a bit of damage, but still drove back to the pits. So there was no oh, yeah. flag that time. Yeah, he reversed it into, well, is it clearways or Clark Curve? Who knows? But yeah. Yeah, it begins with a C. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a top 10 shootout week again. Um, so we finally got down to the top 10, which was uh, Jake Hill, Ash Sutton, Colin Turkington, Dan Camish, Rory Butcher, Tom Ingram, Bobby Thompson. Josh Cook, Dan Lloyd, and Ronan Pearson again. Cracking job from Pearson. Shows that Donington wasn't a fluke. Mm. 
And also, a couple of Coopers in there. Yes, actually, yeah. They're two of my star ratings, those two. Um, along yeah. with Camish and Pearson. Um, yeah, because it was... The top four or five were split by a tenth throughout the majority mm. of the qualifying session. And then on the last lap, Camish suddenly goes almost three tenths quicker than everyone else. Which was just amazing. It was our last lap, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Of the session. It was, literally. And... He had no hybrid. Well, he had one second. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, okay. True. But yeah, wet weather means the hybrid is not that effective, really, because it just wheel spins when you try and use it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, pole for Dan Camish again. Oh, no, so it wasn't last time, was it? It was Robottom, rather. Why is it was Robo? Yep, still. But clearly, pole for a Napa Focus. Mm, focus very, looking very, very strong again. Mm. Events is in fifth there. <coughs> I'm very confused about that. It must be a sponsorship <laughs> thing, isn't it? Oh yes, no, I didn't no, even no. notice. Or to just just keep get it wrong. <laughs> yeah, all right. We need to clarify yeah, this you, at some point. You can tell it's where I got these, these from this time, then. <laughs> Straight from the it BTCC is, website. There is no. It's not an Aventis. That is a product that's not uh, produced now for several years anywhere in the world. And this car is identical to uh, Gambles and Collards, and they're they're coverless. So mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to send an email oh, off to Speedworks and ask what's going on here. We need clarity. So it's Alan Gal, you need to mention it. To. <laughs> yes, very true. <laughs> I'm you don't yeah I'm convinced it's um Corolla. Okay, that was qualifying, uh, race one. Dan Camish on pole, and he had. Uh, an okay start this one, but every other start he had at the weekend yeah. was utterly awful. So, mm-hmm. as expected, Colin Turton got a great getaway, takes the lead. Sutton puts a really nice move on Jake Hill, round outside of the hairpin druids, coronary yep. druids, and uh, then yeah, then also takes Camish for second. So, two good moves in a lap for Ash Sutton. Then we get a red mm-hmm. flag, as there's a crash on the main straight. Dan Robottom goes for a gap, which quickly closes as Steam's Jelly moves over. Jelly hits the wall, and then they both of them collect Adam Morgan and Andrew Watson, bringing out the red flag. So, pretty big damage on Stephen Jelly. We don't see him until race three. And also the other cars have a rebuild on their hands as well. Yeah. And there was a ginormous delay if you're watching it live mm-hmm. because the barrier was uh, damaged wasn't it when Stephen's nose hit like the pit well just before the pit wall starts I guess there's a barrier there yeah and it just destroyed it so that had to be rebuilt at first it wasn't quite clear why well everybody was waiting cars were clear but it's just yeah you've got to get that barrier straight oh yeah especially where it was as well because without that barrier there you're just straight into a wall plus it's a known incident point mm-hmm. Yeah. Of trying to get a cutback, not quite getting an overlap. And it's happened so many times. Was Alan Menu remembering the World Touring Cars? <laughs> Stephen Jelly there back in the day. There's and several other, countless others. Yeah. What did you think of the instant? Raced instant or was someone to blame? Yeah, I think it was a racing instant myself. The stewards didn't agree. Um, I was but, just going to say, yeah. Um, yeah, there was a gap. He went for it. Jelly moved over. Is how I, I viewed it. 
Um, Jelly probably assumed he was ahead. Robot didn't really have much of an overlap, but obviously had a tiny one in order for him to to be there. It was also unfortunate that it turned the car. Yeah. For the BMW around. Yeah. You saw later on, was it Sutton and Collard and a similar thing, and it was all play mm. on. Yeah. Uh, but I, there was a third car involved. Was it Patel, I think? I think he... Or... <laughs> it might be. It was just Blaine Patel. No, yeah, Blaine Patel. No, but uh, Stephen Jelly moves, I think. There was a car on his uh, outside. It's three yes. wide, isn't it? There was a car yeah. on his left-hand side, but I don't remember who it was. Okay, well... It was the blue team hard, which is either Hamilton or Butel. It was Butel because Hamilton <laughs> was at the back and had to avoid everyone. Exactly, exactly. So I, that's how I did we deduced it's Butel. But I, I think maybe I don't know. Who knows? Maybe one element could be that Jelly's watching the hard car and not the mirrors. But you dev- you don't know. Oh yeah, he didn't. He didn't know why he was there because in his interview when the session was stopped, he says he just got a whack from behind. Ah, so he okay. clearly didn't see. Camish, eh, not Camish, Robot in there. I thought it was perfectly fine for Dan to stick his nose because there was a gap. I think it's just one where Jelly hasn't seen him. And it's just, it's an incident now. Robot said he lifted out as soon as he noticed that he wasn't leaving him in space, but can you blame Dan for really putting his nose there? I don't know. I mean, that, that's yeah. what you're there to do, isn't it? Yeah, you're you're essentially saying you shouldn't be going three wide in that instance. Mm. But I can understand that if Jelly doesn't see him, Jelly doesn't see him. That's well, there was what, what else can you really say? Yeah, I thought it was a racing incident, but ultimately there's a big stoppage, and maybe you need to make an example. And I don't know, but anyway, it was only an official reprimand, so it's not like points. Uh, I believe he got two positions. penalty points on his license. That, that was uh, oh, that's what I, I didn't see anything in the um article about it but it was mentioned during the commentary before race two that he got two penalty points i love the the digital content that's produced for the btc in some ways like having the penalties on the website mm-hmm. in the article that you're referencing there nick but you've got to it's got to be correct because mm-hmm. we're left in the dark yeah. bit there because we're relying on commentary bits that you might not have seen yeah um the only penalty i thought deserved to be handed out to david addison <laughs> because during the replays he said robo cops are whack yes oh, I heard I, that I missed that I hear, hear him say robo all the time and it just goes in one ear and out the other yeah same yeah David he's been waiting for that <laughs> yeah these are one race suspension for that one <laughs> I mean all of those cars ended up missing out on the restart but um, I don't know if you noticed that Aidan Moffat managed to get the restart despite having a crabbing car after that incident yeah, it clips the rear of his car. Is it uh, yeah. Robottoms? I think it was Jelly's car. Oh, just Jelly's. as it spun around, right. it just whacked his uh, rear left tyre. Um, yeah, it but, wasn't going in a straight line, was it? No, but that delay obviously gave him time to fix it. Yeah, and he went on to finish the race, which is mm-hmm. fortunate for him. Uh, I also thought it was fortunate for Kamich, before we knew what happened ultimately later on, that the grid is then reset, so he's back on pole mm-hmm. to try again. Yeah. Uh, it didn't work out for him, though. <laughs> no. Dan Kamish is terrible at moving his car from a stationary position, as we found out. Terrible restart. He ends up dropping to fourth. Turkiton leads from Hill with Sutton in third, but Ash Sutton makes a move immediately on the restart lap, going up the inside of Jake Hill at Clearways. Kamish then comes up the inside and follows his teammate through at turn one, and he takes third as Jake Hill. Jake Hill was struggling at all the starts in, the, in this weekend, I noticed. 
He mm. get a good launch, but then the first mm. lap, he couldn't hit you any temperature. Yeah, he's also kept saying in interviews he's playing it safe. I don't know if he's being tentative or it's masking yeah, this uh, either setup or driving style thing at the minute where he doesn't seem to be on it. Mind you, Turkington isn't really, but he's he's in a better position to sort of not have to defend or lose positions. I'm not sure. It's, um, yeah, there's tentative and then there's just been completely passive. So, <laughs> Fair enough. I think, I think that, yeah, you're right. There's probably a bit of, bit of everything in there. Um, there's a Coming together at the final corner, Jack Butel hits Ronan Pearson and damages his front left corner. They're all banging at that final corner. Um, and they have a big squabble, but Osborne manages to get up the inside of both of them to take 15th position. Ingram and Butcher then have a nice fight. Ingram gets a big dive on Rory Butcher at Patio Bend, but he can't hold position. Rory fights back well and manages to take it back at Druid's hairpin. Yeah, that was fun. Mm. That was the most interesting, th- obviously, apart from the big crash, that was the most interesting part of the race, I thought. Mm-hmm. Um, Ricky Collard then gets past Dan Lloyd. Dan Lloyd seems to be kind of struggling so far this year. Yeah. I've not really been impressed with his performance in the races. No, he could qualify him, but uh, just went backwards, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. Conversely, his teammate Thompson's actually sniffing for people in front of him. Mm. Star of the weekend, Bobby Thompson. Yeah, which he was woeful at Donington, I thought, and that might not be him <laughs> per se. It's like he's, the engineers and the setup and the car and the conditions were all... But the ultimate results, he was outshone by uh, Lloyd in similar equipment. Yeah, but the... Lloyd was new to the car and Thompson had it for a, a year. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, he did say before race one that Barry Plowman coming over from... Um... Was he from Team Dynamics? I know he was originally, yes. but was he straight yes, from there yes, this yes. time? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, he came over, but he had no input into the Donington setups because he's very late to the team. Mm. Um, he's come into Brands Hatch, and Thompson said that instantly the car feels much better now, especially on traction. Yes. Um, yeah, he was saying that a lot, wasn't he? Especially mm. at the end of the last race as well. So um, let's hope that that is a, something that continues through the year and is not track specific. I still mm. think that Napa Ford is oh, a yeah. league above everyone else. Then the Hyundai. But then it seems to be, dare I say it, the hard car in the right hands with the right setup ahead of even um, cooking the Honda. Well, you could even this say round, anyway. that the, uh, the Honda is the slowest car on the grid at the moment. Kind of looks like that, doesn't it? Cook was bringing some results out of it, but it's not working at the minute. Mm. He actually said something uh, on a grid interview during the one of the rounds. I don't want to jump around a bit, but where he says he's just not feeling comfortable. Yeah, um, it's kind of a weird decision. I suppose we'll never know, but it seemed to be it was inconsistent. But he could still get results out of it with the previous setup. Now they've got this dynamic chassis, which has changes to it, mm-hmm. and the different engine. Oh, it doesn't look like it looks like the rest of the grid has moved forward a bit. Yeah, and he did say, was it, that the engine position is different, where it has a different engine. It's further forward or further yeah. back, I can't remember which it was. Um, and that whenever they do setup changes now, it doesn't react as they thought it would from last year. So yeah, he said like they're starting from scratch. Yeah, a lot of head scratching, unhappy with the balance. Hmm. Doesn't instill much confidence, does it? No, but at least Mitchell. when he's not at the front of the grid now, we don't hear Tim Harvey calling him cookie all, all race long. Oh, true. <laughs> 
It makes you wonder if they'd stuck with their own chassis and then just dropped in a new engine. That's Would what that I'm thinking. Would that have been a better choice? It mm. might not be possible. Who knows? Like that, that it might the chassis might have been updated with that installment in mind. But I I was thinking I'm watching these first three rounds thinking that I think it could have got better results with last year's setup. Yeah. At the minute, but it, you, I suppose you do that deal with the potential in mind that it could be better, right? Just not there. Yeah, yet. but the dynamics have been kind of struggling the past couple of years. To exactly. Get performance out of that car. So look at Robot cool. and his comments. Yeah, it's cool a car that's not. I guess it's not set up properly to fight the front, and maybe because ever since Dynamics went to that shape, it seems to have always been a bit of a battle to get performance out of it. Yeah, I just wonder are they better looking yeah. elsewhere now? Yeah, the thing is, it, I guess it costs a huge amount of money to make your own chassis from scratch again, uh, and I don't know what the deal was behind the scenes if it was you know beneficial for the parties involved. I don't actually know who owns them. Has the team bought them or are they just borrowing it from Yeah, O'Neill? it's not clear at all, is it? No. So Aidan Moffat and the Civic has a massive queue card behind them. Um, there's a huge, huge fight going in that pack. Osborne takes a few positions for 14th at one point. Tom Chilton's back in the mix after his pit lane start and he's going quite well. I would say that was actually quite a good drive from him from the pit lane start. Yeah. It was, it was. Um, Tom Ingram then has a big dive up inside of Rory Butcher uh, at turn one, and this time he covers the inside line on the exit and keeps the Toyota behind him. And really nice move. Yeah. Bobby Thompson then has a big lunge on Rory himself, and yeah. he manages to take sixth position. Butcher tries to have a go at clearways, but Bobby manages to hold him off. When was the last time we saw a hard car attacking and gaining position within the top ten? I know. It's very well done. And then, final lap, Camish has a wee nibble on Ash Sutton, but Ash holds on for second place. Mm. What I quite liked about that is, I think um, it was through Graham Hill, wasn't it, where Sutton had an awkward bounce of the curb. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Camish has a run, but you can see Sutton using the hybrid to defend. It's noticeable. Camish has the run, yeah. and then it's stemmed because he doesn't have hybrid at that point. He's used it all up, and he has a smaller allocation, and Sutton has got some saved at the end, and he uses it at the appropriate moment. Yeah, and also there, um, I don't know if Camish did have any hybrid available at all at that point, but um, if he did, he can't deploy it to a higher speed because he had the the higher championship position. Ah, okay, interesting. Um, so he had to get it up to, what was it, I believe, uh, 84 miles an hour before he can deploy hybrid, mm. whereas Sutton can deploy it at 71 miles an hour. Yeah, interesting. Well, in this scenario... You could definitely see the blue flashing light, and the the uh, the run didn't become much of an advantage mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. So that was I thought. Oh, that's one of the moments where you can tell. Otherwise, textbook Turkington. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very well done. Well controlled. Uh, Ricky Collard was up to ninth, and Dan Lloyd made it was two Coopers in the top ten for race one. Sam Osborne wanted to watch in race two, but he ended up 14th in this one after a couple of nice moves as well in the pack. Mm-hmm. Aaron Taylor-Smith, again with points. Someone we were talking about in our first couple of episodes, but mm. he managed to get up into the points, and George Gamble was 11th. Over to Nick. Yes, and Mr. Mikey Doble managed a 19th, but um seemed to be an improved performance in this race, from Donington anyway. Seemed a, a bit more in the group. 
So hopefully one to look out for. Yeah, close to the pace. Yes, so on to race two then. And there was some... I don't know if you watched many support races this weekend, but uh, they were a bit messy. Yeah. The uh, the Legends cars look mental and great fun. Yes. But <laughs> they keep binning them, which is... <laughs> Uh, right at the end of the race coverage at the weekend, there was a huge crash. Yeah. Yes. Like, that's, just, that's just a nice way to end the weekend. A car upside down on fire. Someone was rolling down Paddock Hill Bend. Yeah. Yes. He's supposed to be driving down. And they were, I just saw the <laughs> shot and they were going down like a cheese roll or something. Yeah. And then it exploded. <laughs> oh, goodness. Like, oh, dear. So, yeah. Sport races were fun. But race two, we don't have Stephen Jelly. His car's still getting fixed. Jack Patel. But he is, uh, pulls over at the end of the, the pit lane with an issue. Mm. Something to do with the fire... Uh, oh, no, no, sorry. Turbo. Uh, the fire stream show, I think, was Chilton? Halstead. Mm, oh, Halstead. Something like that. Yeah, yep, he, yep. he got going uh, from he a pit is. lane start. Yeah, I'm sorry, yes. I got confused there. He had a problem with that to start. So, race two. Dan Camish again has an utterly shocking start. Bad one this time. Yes. Sutton gets inside the hairpin uh, to take the lead, and Ingram gets third in this one. That cut back from Sutton, was it on Turkington? Yeah. At the first mm-hmm. corner. Mm-hmm. Oh, supreme. Chef's kiss. <laughs> Chef's kiss, yeah. <laughs> Modicum of contact, but just nothing to unstable Turkington. It mm. was, it was per- perfectly timed, in my opinion. Great front end on that focus. Oh, it's wild, isn't it? To get that thing turned like that. But they Incredible. still seem to have traction coming out the corner as well, which is mm-hmm. fantastic. But I'd love to know what the trick is. Well, it's always Sutton, though, isn't it? Every car he's driven always has a front end like that. It's clearly yeah, something they... that he engineers into his car. Exactly or, that. Yeah. He meant his race engineer engineering. Yeah. 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 And then we get a move from Tom Ingram on Colin Turkington for second. So Colin gets a pretty poor first lap, drops the third. Yeah, oh, a nice move. But you see, like, wasn't that a bit like Hill? A bit too tentative? It could be just a BMW thing. It, the BMW, they say, takes three or four laps to get its front tyres up to temperature. Yeah. Uh, Camish then takes Hill at clear ways, and Jake Hill's going a little bit backward as, uh, as he's struggling as well with his tyres. Um, Bobby Thompson puts a big dive on George Gamble, but uh, Sam Osborne manages to nick past both of them. Going up to the hairpin. It's the start of many overtakes by Osborne. Yeah, it was. It was nicely done there. Very opportunistic. Mm. So he's on the softs for this race. So he's mm. putting him a good advantage. And Ash later said after his race three performance, when he saw what Sam had done in race two, mm-hmm. it yeah. made him decide we can actually go for it in race three with the softs. First weekend using them in anger, isn't it? For a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And the first time with hybrid. So... I think those who were running the softs in race one, I can't remember who it was. It might have been Camish. was a bit too tentative, I think. I think some people were thinking, I've got to go easy these first few laps on them to save them for later on. Yeah. I seem to remember when they were last in use, especially because they were used in combination with Palace, they would be really quick, but then they would wear out noticeably. Uh-huh. I didn't really see that much from Osborne, for example, in this race. It just seemed like he was always quick. Yeah. And with Sutton in the last race, so... Seems like, certainly at Indy, Indy anyway, you can just attack from lap one to the end. It was a little bit unclear as well because race one had the red flag and it then the delay ended up with shorter laps. True. So that kind of affected how people knew what the race distance was for them. 
Right. But also it was said that um, many of the teams and drivers had never even driven on the soft tyres before they used them in the races. Oh, they just don't have them for testing or anything? Yeah. Oh, that's not ideal, is it? I know that um, They had Napa... them, but they didn't use them. Oh, okay, weird. Maybe they're more expensive or there's a finite amount of them. Certainly last year in testing, some teams were using it because we picked up on it. Mm-hmm. I think Sutton said, oh, we were testing the Prime and we were like, why? Because it hadn't been announced at that point. Yeah. So there was there was some testing at Stetson, I believe, last year. But obviously not anyone, not everybody. Ronan Pearson then butters the back of Aaron Moffat at Clearways and picks up a position but also damages his front end. We then get a battle We then get a battle of the the Scots and Moffat drops behind Pearson and Dan Robottom also gets past them into the points. We then see both Tom Chilton and Ronan Pearson get past uh, Dan Lloyd which is a nice little scrap a bit of contact I think as well um, as they come down Paddock and to the uh, the hairpin, yes, yeah, uh, Chilton from about six years ago that was. <laughs> yeah, and Pearson following him through. It's like they were teamworking each other. Yeah, it's nice. It's quite quite good actually. I don't know if it was planned or what, but it was certainly worked out well. Hmm. Yeah. So Dan White has a a, a go back Graham Hill Baines, but he can't uh, can't do it. And Pearson goes through. Camish is putting a strong defence on Jake Hill, but on lap fifteen. And Jake manages to pull the switch back down Paddy Hill Bend and takes fourth at the hairpin. Then we get um, Sam Osborne mugging off Josh Cook at the final corner. Oh, yeah. Lovely move. Yeah. Which I think, uh, I think it was a mistake from Cook and Sam um, took advantage mm-hmm. of that one, which I thought was quite nice. And it looks like that, I think that was the last move that I've got noted. Uh, not quite, no. Osborne tried to repeat it on Collard on the last lap. Um, mm. but ended up pushing Collard wide, which lo- uh, let Cook and Gamble through as well. Oh, Cook really benefited from it. Yeah, this is after yep. the checkered flag had fallen for the leader, right? Yes. And then it cut to those those three or four side to side, and you're like, what's happened yeah. here? Yeah, Collard went from, I think it was 6th or 7th to 10th. Um, yep. But yeah, after the race, um, Osborne was given a half-second penalty, which basically so put, put him, him behind Collard. No, it was a bit clumsy, that. He was doing very well. That one was not ideal. At least he was trying. Oh, but yeah. But big beneficiary there was Josh Cook. I've got something to note in this race, which feeds onto race three. Oh, yes? Mm. I counted the number of times I saw Tom Ingram have a wheel go over the curb, exit curb, at Graham Hill Bend. Oh, in yes. In the broadcast. And I counted five times. Oh, now, no. You, you couldn't see every lap he did in the coverage. There could have been more. It might have been exactly five. But five times there's a wheel over the egg, edge of the curb onto that green bit at Graham Hill as he's chasing down Sutton. I know Sutton does it a couple of times, but I did notice through that race that Ingram was using it a bit more. I, I Not that you can see it, it's an audio podcast, but I took pictures, which I'll never use, <laughs> just to make sure. Get them on Twitter. So, yeah, well, I was thinking about tweeting that. But then, I, well, we'll discuss more in a bit. Just going to leave that one there, though. No penalty for that. No penalty. So you want to wrap up race two then, eh? Nick? Oh, well. Ash Sutton won with the fastest lap, and our boy Mikey Doble gained an extra place this time. He finished 18th. 
Not bad. Not a sterling weekend for the Astros this time around. But Watson being the pilot didn't help, I don't think. No. No. So, on to race three, and uh, we're confident the ball, ball gate was okay this time. Yep. Yep, it was all good. All good. So that meant that Sam Osborne was on pole with Ricky Collard beside him. Yeah, Sutton pulled out number 11. He pulled out Bobby Thompson on pole, but I believe there was a where some of the positions were mixed. Um, yeah, Thompson started from pole for race three. I'm sure he did. Oh, did he? Right. Yeah. I apologise. I'm, I'm the idiot in this instance. <laughs> so Bobby Thompson was on pole with, with a car behind him. Beside him, wasn't it? Um, yes, it was. It was. So there's a bunch, well, there's loads of cars on soft tyres in this one. Stephen Jelly returns, but Aaron Taylor Smith doesn't make it into the race. Yeah, did he have a mechanical? He retired, didn't he, into the pit lane in the second race, so I don't know what the issue um, was there. Radiator damage is what was said in commentary. But yeah, right, what that actually means, I'm not sure. Could have grenaded the engine there. Yeah. Yeah, so race three. Osborne gets a great start and Ricky Collard takes the lead up the inside of Green Hill Bend in a nice move. He's in the lead and scampers off. On the first lap, Ash Sutton is up to fifth. I don't know how. And Magical. Yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, as... yeah, I was I was watching it. <laughs> I had to go back and see. He's like one place off the line, a um, couple of Druids, one into Graham Hill. Got past Hill coming off of Graham Hill Bend going around the outside of Surtees to get six, and then got Gamble on the run back into Paddock wow. for fifth. Ridiculous. Yeah. And then Sam Osborne gives him a helping hand by running wide at Druids, and mm-hmm. that lets Ash up to fourth. He then gets Rory Butcher after a lap of a battle, which uh, there's a wee few wee bumps between the cars mm-hmm. as they, they go around the lap. But um, Ash Sutton manages to get past, and he's very, very quickly into third for the podium position. Josh Cook then um, puts a Beep. overtake I've got written here. Um, <laughs> I, f- I think he uh, describes it accurately. <laughs> he goes up the inside of Sam Osborne at Graham Hill Bend, chills him off. I thought that was a... I thought that was pretty poor, to be honest. Sam Osborne was having a great race weekend and he ends mm. up wide, grass in his uh, radiator and he ends up, I think, fighting for 15 for the rest of the race. Very aggressive, wasn't it? I just thought it was yeah. a, as I said, it was a beep move. Too fast. I'm not disagreeing. Uh, the move wasn't really on, I don't think. And he just dive-bombed them and shoved them off. It was, yeah, ambitious. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't, uh, I'm surprised he didn't get pulled up for it, to be honest. Well, the problem is he's fully alongside him. I know, but... There's no need. There's no need for that. I see that you've got the, the trademark hip and shoulder. <laughs> yes. On your notes. <laughs> yes. That's a classic ball anyway. The one thing I would say, though, is that um, the an- camera angle we had doesn't really show if Osborne turned in on him a bit or if he gave him room. But, yeah, it definitely looked like Cook just pushed him out. Very true, very true. But, I thought, uh, as you say, from the angle we looked at, it was like Sam Osborne starred right to space. Mm-hmm. And he, was, yeah. he wasn't giving it. So then Ash, uh, on his way to a race one, takes Thompson pretty quickly to clear ways and heads off after Ricky Collard. 
Jake Hill then takes six from Josh Cook at Parrot Hill in a really brave move. He's very late on mm. the brakes, has a slide on the exit, mm. but is able to hold it. And then we've got two Toyotas battling, which I thought was a big mistake. I know they don't really do yes. team orders in British touring cars, and each driver has individual sponsors, but but just let Gamble through. It <laughs> save yes. them less, you know, save them time. Yeah, mm. I thought that. Yeah, Gamble butchered squabbling over fifth, and then went on a different tires. Past them. Yeah, and went on different tires as well to each other. So like. Yeah, I, I believe Gamble was on the softs, yeah. if I remember correctly. Come on, where's the uh, team communication? Yes, he was. Uh, fun to watch, but just a bit short-sighted, I felt. Mm-hmm. Aye, because then Hill then gets Butcher pretty easy through Pallet Hill Bend uh, for, I think, fourth position at that point. Mm-hmm. Or fifth at that point, I think that was. Uh, Gamble then goes straight on at the hairpin. Loses a bunch of positions, I think he has damage. Ah. Ah, thought that was a puncher, personally, when I first saw it. He ran wide at Paddock Hill, and I wasn't sure if his suspension had went or if he got a puncture. This is a, another case, well, another week, another podcast of us just debating us what's what's befell a Toyota, right? <laughs> but yeah. I, I think he gets a puncture as he goes down the... It's slightly wide at Paddock Hill. Yeah. And he, I think he gets a puncture in the compression at the bottom of the hill going up. Hmm. Exactly what I thought. It was the way he, the car went round the corner it sort of locked one tyre and it just looked like I think it was the it popped. front left yeah. looked like it was flat now early in the race I also think Watson and Jade Edwards had suffered punches but we didn't see why or how but it looked mm-hmm. like there was a kit, just a random shot of them crawling back slowly and mm-hmm. they, they could have hit each other but they both seemed to me whether that was the case or not I don't know but they looked like they both had punches as well and that was a thing that happened later on to other drivers so I think something weird was going yeah. on there yeah, and there's, there's some mechanical failures as well. Rory Butcher has a problem. He has car smoking. And then we see Jake Hill spinning at Paddock Hill Bend, which uh, is initially speculated to be oil on the track, but we've seen the, the off-board shots that he's got, a, I think it's a rear-left puncture. Yeah, uh, yeah, which to me looked like the exact same point that Gamble got his puncture. So it's, uh, mm. I don't know if there was something sharp there or it was just coincidence. Mm-hmm. With temperatures or the different tyre compound. I don't know which one he was on. Because there's also a shot of Stephen Jelliot pulled over with a puncher by looks things as well at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you don't normally see that many. It's not Thruxton. <laughs> Old Thruxton. Kind of taking away the jeopardy with a harder tyre compound. But... Yeah. Uh, Roland Pearson makes a move on Sam Osborne for the, I think the final or the second final points position. And uh, you've noted here and Nick, that you're enjoying watching your boy race. Yeah, I'd say he just uh, he looked very racy is what I meant. He didn't look like he was just sort of uh, slightly off the pace. He looked to be in amongst the pack. Yeah, forget Gordon Shedden, man. It's all about Pearson and actually I thought Patterson was good. They're the new Scots to follow. Mm. <laughs> Got three to choose from. Yeah, but Patterson for choice. didn't do anything special this weekend. But I thought he was on the mid-pack pace in the hard car for the first time, in the dry. So it can only go one way from here, I think, with him. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Don't want to big him up too much, but... So it, wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't at the back with the billies, for sure. No. <laughs> but enough for your positivity. Here comes the drama. Ah, uh, yeah. So Ash Sutton closes up to the back of Ricky Card, has a couple of moves that Ricky defends. Then, out of nowhere... 
comes up on first the commentary and then we see a, a shot of an, a screen saying that Ricky Cord has a 10 second penalty for track limit mm-hmm. offences. So he's going to lose the race when whatever happens at this point. Apparently he had had warnings about track limits. The thing is, the TV coverage didn't. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Never mentioned on TV. We never see any flags. We don't hear. We don't get any on-screen graphics. Commentators never tell us. And all of a sudden, he has a 10-second penalty, which seems extremely harsh for track limits. There's a a brief Uh, mention in commentary about one corner before he gets the penalty. Yes, of a black and white. Yeah, they say, oh, we're hearing that Collard might be under investigation. And then... You know, Connor, too late. Yeah. Oh, it's 10 seconds. It was pretty much that one conversation about it, wasn't it? Yeah. It wasn't that. He's, he's got a black and white, he needs to be careful, and then we find out later he, he wasn't. It was all kind of one thing at once. So I think if we're going to impose, well, I don't want to dive into this straight away, but Toka doesn't impose these track limits. It's Mudspot UK, and they, it's going to come into later in the year, but they're doing it early as a trial. That's my understanding. Is that correct? Yes, yes. Uh, it, it doesn't come in t- officially till late in the year, but Toka yeah. are using it for all Toka events. So, and it's an utterly terrible rule. <laughs> what is the rule? Could you explain that? I think If it's... you're over the white line or curb with one wheel, you're over the track limits. So going back to Ingram in race two, I, my interpretation of that is if you're over the curb with a wheel, that's a infringement. And then Tim Harvey said you get an infringement, a warning, a time penalty, and then another time penalty. But yes. if that's how it works, that's not what the viewer saw in race three. It was oh, a 10-second penalty. No, and if you actually look on the Motorsport UK website, it's totally different again. Oh. <laughs> um, on their website, it says first breach, one-second penalty. What? Second breach, two-second penalty. Oh, it's nothing like that. Third breach, additional five-second penalty. Fourth breach, drive through, or ten seconds, and fifth breach, black flag. So the, the from our point of view, it looks like they went straight to point four. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're also one and one and one and ten. Yeah, which Oof. the the warning part makes much more sense than this other system of instant penalty, bigger penalty, bigger penalty. But yeah, it's like they're using a hybrid of last year's rules and these new rules, uh, which is not clear for anyone. I'm going to quote Tim Harvey here. It is not a rule that is fit for purpose. Correct. Honestly, one wheel yes. over the line is complete nonsense. Yeah, but why Why? Why is it being discussed and why was it potentially being implemented? Is it to save costs and keep the, to keep the tracks from uh, all the muck coming from on the circuit and cutting up the grass on the edge, out the outside edge of the circuit? I don't know. I don't even know because Motorsport UK, as far as I'm aware, they don't own any of the tracks or anything like that. They're just... No, it's M- Brands Hatch's MSV, for example, yeah. so it's Jonathan Palmer. Um, but they enforce all of the uh, track limit rules for all UK championships, I believe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure why and it's rally. changed. Tim Harvey made a great point. But he was like, look, the leader's the one that they're looking at. Yeah. Which shouldn't really be the case. At. Yeah. I'm sorry. We've got someone someone standing looking at the corner, judging it by eye, mm. and issuing these warnings, and they're 
not really looking at all the other cars is what he's hinting at. Which again, you can't. You, we're getting back to the old F one thing with applied track limits to certain corners, but not others. Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, but it's not just that; it's far got, worse than that. Yeah, you've got to judge it properly. The punishment's got to be appropriate. The warning system's got to be appropriate, mm-hmm. and you've got to apply it evenly to all drivers at all tracks. At all corners. And then communicate it to the fans because yes. they're the ones keeping the series alive. And it's it's an unjust scenario because in Formula One, you have endless onboard cameras. Yes. To then, for Anthony Davidson to go to a Skypad or whatever, to say, look, this, they went over the track limit. And I'm not, I mean, okay, that's pay TV only, but even on the Channel 4 stuff, they have access to footage to say, well, they were over this line. Mm-hmm. That's a penalty. But you don't get that in British touring cars. And after the fact, there has been nothing on the BTC website to clarify or explain things. No, and I don't think there will be. Uh, no. <laughs> Which is not good, in our opinion. This actually fosters more anger and frustration than... A, 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 a... It's a controversial topic, but if you don't say anything, I think it makes it worse in the long run for the sport. People mm-hmm. will switch off. Uh, as an example of which, I don't know if you've noticed, but on yes, it's wonderful that qualifying is on the ITV Sport YouTube channel. But why are comments switched off? Oh, I didn't notice that. <laughs> what what possibly could be people be saying that's bad? I mean, oh, they could say, oh, they're a bad driver, they're a terrible driver, whatever. But ultimately, the cream rises to the top in Utrago, generally speaking, unless you've done something egregious. You can pin one of the... There'll be a comment somewhere within a few hours of saying, oh, I really like Jake Hill, for example. You pin that to the top. That's all most people see. Most people don't comment. Mm-hmm. But not having the comments switched on means that the algorithm doesn't kick in. It's just other few people. Yeah. So I don't know whose decision is that. So I don't want to speculate too much. But you've, you've got that. And then, in fact, you've got this whole penalty thing. And we'll probably not hear anything about it until the old-fashioned, regular, which we enjoy, broadcast television for the next round. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, yeah. that needs to be addressed as well. It's not just the fact that the, the rules were a shambles or the implementation was bad. It's the, the communication after the fact. Yeah, I mean, I've, I don't necessarily disagree with him getting a penalty. Um, I agree. He, Same. He, he was out Same. wide several times and he, he did. But it, it's the regulation itself which I have issue with and how there was no notification of it. Yeah. And from the viewer point of view, there was literally nothing for any other driver mm-hmm. all weekend. Yeah. No. We we are we're buying this drum every episode about the ancillary coverage of the BTCC mm. that it's they don't do it and obviously I think it's probably resourcing costs and everything, but Absolutely is, yeah. Yeah. All you get is should... like press releases effectively from the teams to be the sponsors on the website, but you don't get any analysis or interesting content, let's say. To me, uh, again, I'm not in the financial side, but to me, it should be viewed as an investment. Yeah, to, I agree. If you provide content on a Tuesday and a Thursday, every after every race, which yeah. shows, explains, we get all on boards we don't see, we see incidents from different angles that were missed, we even get spectator footage that they've, they've collated. If you get all of this during the week, we can look at it and say, ah, we've seen four replays uh-huh. of... Yes. XYZ. Uh, Ricky Card going wide is due a penalty. Yeah. But the fact, we'll never see that. We'll never hear anything about this ever again. And they may change the rule in three rounds' time. Or yeah. or there'll be another instant with the rule. And, and we, ne- we never get any more coverage. And if you search Ricky Card's name on the newsfeed of Google, you get two articles which 
fair enough, people are covering, but they don't have any more information than anyone else that was watching it on TV. Yeah, yeah. People could say to us, "You don't have enough information," but where do we get it from? Exactly. Exactly. We we can't get any more information. Motorsport journalists can't get any more information. Nobody's getting any more information from this. And as a regular viewer, and we are slightly spoiled by the coverage of F1, obviously because it's the biggest sport, yeah. motorsport in the world. And it's hard to compare. But, but there are other series which yeah. constantly post videos and onboard supercars in on- Australia, and Alan Gow <laughs> should know all about that. <laughs> exactly, and so BTCC also needs more investment into the off-track stuff because what happens in between rounds at the moment? Nothing. Online? Nothing. Very little. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. We release a podcast. Other people might release podcasts, and maybe a few news stories. But there's not ongoing coverage and engagement that builds a, a fan base over time that's no. is wide enough to, you know, help to sustain it. Build yep. exactly. And and so, I've got a point about this, which I didn't think I was going to mention, but I am now. During the red flag in race one, it got me thinking because there were adverts for leaving something in your will, <laughs> <laughs> and buying this device that helps your circulation issues. And I thought, well, if the Advertisers are tar- thinking the BTCC reaches their target market for those products. Are we in a place where this lack of digital investment is meaning the audience for the BTCC is getting older and therefore that's not sustainable? Yeah. That, that's the whole thing about if you engage in online content, mm-hmm. social media, and you have a TikTok account that goes, that yeah. the same of your videos go viral, you'll get the younger audience. You like, create memes. I, I'm, yeah, I'm 30 now. So there's a Three generations under me who could be investing in this thing yeah. emotionally and watching it. And if you invest in your online coverage, you've got a hell of a better chance of encouraging those people to go and buy a ticket or watch it. And we're criticising things here out of, of passion. And we're not saying that we're experts. And I hate to be one of those people who goes, well, look at all this. Uh, but, you know, we could do it if you want. But I think <laughs> the three of yeah. us could help I- out in some way. I'm not volunteering anymore, my time. I've got, I've got two <laughs> podcasts to run. <laughs> it yeah. cost me enough money. It's easy for us to sit here and, I'm, yeah. But the, this this weekend really highlighted that again, once again, with the adverts and this whole track limits debacle. Yeah. I mean, surely it wouldn't take long for someone to get the onboard camera that they have on all the cars, go through the footage of Ricky Cord's onboard and take the four instances he's done it, put it on YouTube, there you go. Leave the comments on, and if you get some heat, you get some heat <laughs> because it creates the debate. At least, at least people are well, caring. I'm not even sure there is on boards um, on all the cars because they do mention camera cars. Certain cars ah. have cameras on them, right? I, I know all the cars have a camera on it for yes. uh, Toka or yes. yes. Um, this is a Goodyear. Cosworth system, and it mm-hmm. can be used because they use that system and those cameras. In my opinion. For the Dunlop mm-hmm. Tires YouTube channel two years ago, they would do this. Yes, that's true for pole laps and things, yep. don't they? They often use that camera. Yep. Yeah, that's that's footage I'm meaning, so not the broadcast camera. So it won't be up to that quality, every car. but it doesn't really matter. No. It's not up to broadcast but standard, but it's watchable. It's just it's building engagement, and we're, we're all not in the dark. Um, mm-hmm. Turns out Ricky Cord was in the dark. <laughs> yes. So, uh, yeah. I felt so sorry for him. Sutton tries to get up the inside the clear ways. Cord then puts him on the grass <laughs> in the final lap. Yeah, that was a bit cheeky. I thought I thought he's raging at getting a penalty and he's put him on there. Turns out uh-huh. he didn't even know. 
So there's a man just standing in front of his car, stopping him going to the Weybridge. And like they mentioned his name, and he's like the Sam Riches. That's it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't mess the with Sam Riches. He... <laughs> no, I'm yeah. sorry. The way he handled that was utterly appalling. Oh, did I, I agree with that. He stood in front of his car, gesturing at him. Ricky Cord eventually opened his door to try and speak to him. He kicked his door shut. Yeah. Then went and stood back in front of him again. Ricky Cord then opened it again, had a quick word, and then that guy starts pushing his car back without actually just going, hold on, let's explain this to you. Yeah. I, I thought that was pretty shameful for to be I kicking so. the driver's it's... door and doing acting in that way. Whether you're right or wrong, that is pretty poor. Mm-hmm. No, I'm totally with you as well. I picked up on that. And he kicked it shut, and then after his little word with him, he shut it quite forcefully as well. It's like if that was your own car, your road car, you'd be livid with that sort of behaviour. I think that we have to assume that he's maybe thinking that Collard has been told, but we neither each other have the abilities to speak to each other in the way it was handled. I thought that was poor. Yeah. And Ricky Cord may have said something for that. Yes. Was like, yeah. Get out Quite of the possibly. way, you something. But yeah. It said there wasn't sat there revving the engine though, was he? No. no. Engine, I think the engine was off. Yeah, it sounded like. Uh, I, I did see so that it I've... caused a right old mess because oh it nearly did, because Ingram then had to get that spot. Yeah. And Sam had to wave at him and he was parked awkwardly. But I think look the cars could get past. Yeah. So the team should have told him. Hey. Did you? Even, oh, if yeah. Yeah. even if they don't tell him during the race, tell him as he's coming into yeah. the pits. And then they might have done and that. Yeah. They might have done it out of protest as well. So we don't. Yeah. I know because he was flashing his lights as he crossed the line. He was also flashing his lights as he went down the back straight on the in lap. Yeah. So I've not told um, him. No. And the guy from Toka, whoever he's from, be a bit be be nicer yeah. <laughs> than that. <laughs> that yeah. that that was really poor. Did either of you see the Collard interview? Yes. yes. Not a happy boy. That was spicy. Uh, two things struck me in that interview. One is how emotional he was, and two, he looked like the guy from Harry Potter for some reason. <laughs> He's got the most perfect teeth what, I've ever seen. What's his name? Draco Malfoy? I don't know. Oh, I'm, yeah, yeah, Malfoy. Like that. Yeah, I thought, oh, he looks like him. <laughs> um, that is the insight <laughs> you need in between races. <laughs> <laughs> Lookalike, social media yeah, posts. And actually... If you do that in a good way with good Photoshop and stuff, that will the sort of thing that will go down and be quite popular. <laughs> but yeah, it wasn't the best thing for him to say, was it, during that interview? No, you see, that we're, we're, we're siding with him here now, but obviously, yeah, he, he ind- indicated at one point that it's a family vendetta, and I don't think that's necessarily the case either. No. No, because Rob Coward just to get away with murder and races. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. He wasn't getting any penalties. He was just bashing folk out of the way, left, right, and centre. He referenced. Love you, Rob. Ricky referenced Alton Park, <laughs> but do you think he meant Snitterton? I can't remember, but he says he's no. lost three podiums in a row now. I, I do remember there was an incident with Ingram, but I can't remember the specifics of it or where There it was, was one at Snitterton. I do remember it was controversial. On the last lap, where he went for a dive. And at the time, I thought, yes, it was right. He, he position was switched. But then you mentioned, Nick, that, oh, it did look like Ingram kind of turned in a bit. And I went back and watched it. And Ricky's gone for the dive. Ingram just turned in 50 metres before the corner. If he, if he turned at that yeah. point, he's cutting across the inside of the grass. And they reversed that position. But I don't I want to go back up to the old turf again. We should probably move on. I feel for him because... And the 10 seconds seems harsh as well because it dropped him from first to eighth. 
Yeah. If that's a rule fine. in black and white, then fine, but at least explain that. That's what we're struggling with. But also as well, then explain to me why Ingram went five times over the line, in my opinion, by pausing, yeah. pausing the recording of TV at Graham Hill Bend. So... At that boy that corner was drinking his bovril every time the leader went past. <laughs> yeah. Preparing himself every every lap to wait for the leader. I mean Ingram was his second at the time there. It's pretty he was chasing down Sutton. It was pretty obvious, I thought. But I digress. It depends what the classify each corner as well, because as Tim Harvey was saying, True. they judge each corner differently. Which Yes. Again, which yeah. is my so, which is why my point isn't necessarily clear no. about Ingram, so I just want to clarify that. It, it, but I'm sure Paddock is the main one that they would be monitoring. Paddock or Ben, because that's the one where they do run wide. I think Ricky was running wide at Paddock a lot, but I was mm-hmm. looking at Graham Hill for the Ingram one. But yeah, it looked. I know Graham Hill was was monitored in the MSV days with the track pads. Ah, true. So maybe well. they're just using that there, and he didn't trigger it. This is why we need clarification. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So well done, Bobby Thompson. By the way, Peter. Oh yes, yeah. congrats. Best, best ever result. I, I was actually quite impressed with him this weekend. Um, mm. I thought he'd done quite well. And also Dexter Patterson got himself into the points for a 15th place. Yeah, oh, yes. one to watch. I'm not going to say he's going to win every race. <laughs> but <laughs> he seems to be on the pace, and he's only a few tenths behind Thompson and Lloyd, really, I think. Which is impressive. Yeah, mm. Yeah, very true. Josh Cook finished 10th. He was, I think, 5th or 6th at one point. Oh, he threw it off. He ran wide. He threw it off, which I thought was karma for his move on Osborne, which I didn't like. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you want to finish us off then? Oh, yeah. Dexter, unfortunately, did uh, just pip Mikey Doble to 15th oh. place. So Mikey finished in 16th. But he is getting close to that first proper points finish for me because uh, the, the points he got at Donington very much to do with the rain and circumstance else. Yeah. Uh, yeah i'd really like to see him get like a you know dry on merit not to say he didn't deserve that those points but he's very close to getting into that top 15 it's, yeah yeah you might, you might have picked a winner we'll, uh, mm, we'll see <laughs> we'll see over the the, the the weeks go so the championship dan camish still leads ash sutton who had gave away 30 points in the first weekend is now only 10 points off the lead in third place which is a uh, mighty impressive on one weekend yeah mm. that three podiums two wins three fastest laps <laughs> yes very very, very impressive and uh, Bobby thompson's six in the championship so flying three Exactly. Mm. Top three are covered by 10 points and then if you go down to Jake Hill in fifth there's 30 points between the, the top five. All to play for but mm. I think it's a Napa it's Napa for me a favourite. It's just whether or not they take points off each other. You know, Kamish is up mm. there this year so he can't play the team game necessarily as easy I think. Looking forward to some inter-Nissan battles and controversies later on in the year. Yeah. Oh, he's, yeah. he's helping Ash out with his start so, so there's always that. <laughs> Uh, so there's only three drivers still without point, which is Will Powell, Jack Patel, and Jade Edwards. Um, I thought Patel was a bit unlucky not to get points this weekend, but yeah. He had a good qualifying as well, actually, wasn't he? 13th? Yeah, he did. Yeah, Record is best ever. Mm. <laughs> but he was in too many scraps in that first race. Yeah. And so we're back on the 21st of May for that weekend for Snetterton. 
rounds seven, eight, and nine yeah, of the championship. Weird that Snetterton will be not in the middle of a summer heatwave. Do you think it'll improve the racing? Or? The grass might be green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, on to Formula 1 then. Yeah. Keep it brief because we're already at yes. an hour mark anyway. Oops. So, Miami, I watched the race after everyone else because I was uh, drinking. Um, so, I watched it half cut. Good for you. And... Uh, <laughs> Flicked through it and quite enjoyed it. <laughs> Just fast forwarding through the boring bits. Uh, we had a nice wee buzz on after them, a couple of uh, Buckfast cocktails that I had. Um, how about you guys? I thought the highlight was the pre-race ceremony. <laughs> Bit of LL Cool J. He, to be fair, pronounced all the names of the drivers correctly. And yeah. Will I Am was doing some uh, leading the orchestra for some reason. Um, Will I Am. And there was Ludacris just stood there. Don't know why. Probably promoting the new Fast and Furious <laughs> film. More than likely, yeah. Uh, and, I, and I've seen there's some uh, reposts by the drivers. I see Matt Q's written on motorsport.com. F1 drivers hit out a distracting pre-race ceremony in Miami because it was just before they were going to the grid, I think. And Alonso made a point of, well, I, don't, well, I didn't really mind it, but it was when we're supposed to be talking to engineers and working out the strategies and stuff. Yeah, and Russell said that they were standing there for half an hour in their race overalls. Yeah. Yeah, they were. Uh, but Lewis Hamilton said, I grew up listening to LL Cool J and he was there. That was cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's just all a bit over the top, but it's it's America. Yeah. It's kind of what you expect. I wasn't actually yeah. too bothered by it. It was just cheesy as. Just a bit cringe. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Jackie Stewart got accosted by some <laughs> uh, Stewart's, which... <laughs> you can't stop Jackie Stewart going anywhere. He's a three-time world champion. The man's 83. And to be fair, he won. They backed down. Yes. I uh, yeah. interview Roger Ferrer to Federer for Martin Brimble there. Yeah. Don't mess with a man who wears top dresses. <laughs> quite, That's Colin quite will right. attest. Quite <laughs> right. We're, everyone we knows is either a psychopath or... Yeah, we'll leave it there. So, <laughs> qualifying. Uh, oh, big news in qualifying was Charles Leclerc put it in the wall and that meant that Max Verstappen started in ninth. Lewis Hamilton also qualified in third team. Yeah, so poor. He had a that was poor. Disaster. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Juan Stroll went also went out in Q one. Yeah, what again, the heck? Another disaster. So uh, Saturday set up the race quite well. You had Verstappen out of position. You potentially had an Aston and a Mercedes out of position. I, mm-hmm. I enjoyed watching qualifying, and Leclerc, yeah. meaning that. Drivers couldn't get a second run in Q3. It was extremely exciting. He obviously spun off there and uh, hit the barriers at turn six and seven. Uh, it meant Kevin Magnussen qualified fourth. So, yeah. Which he's been thoroughly outqualified by Hulkenberg most of the year, but then I think that's also sort of driven him. I've just finished the Gunter Steiner book this morning, actually. And he was saying how maybe Magnussen had it a bit easy with Schumacher last year. And that he needs another driver in there with some experience to push him on. And that's certainly been true so far this year. Mm. Um, but it also meant that Max couldn't set a second time. Now, Max got oversteer through six and into seven and eight. And then aborted his lap. Part of me thinks if he'd have continued it and still been <laughs> lost a second of time, he still probably would have started higher up than maybe ninth, but who knows? Yeah. You always got to get your banker lap in, and that's what Sergio Perez does. 
Oh yeah. I did feel sorry because a lot of the drivers went out and did their first laps on used tyres, didn't they? I think they didn't have yeah. any. Mm. But uh, Alonso P two yeah, as well. Yeah, that's always good to see. But mm. um, Leclerc was asking for it, wasn't he? He was over that curve yeah. most laps. It. But here's what I think is happening there. We were talking about Baku. I think he made the difference in Baku to qualify there, mm-hmm. and he yeah. was pushing too hard to make that difference again in Miami. Yeah, no, the latent car pace isn't there. On the race then, and I was hoping that Alonso would take the lead at the start and just mix it up a little bit, but he, he, yeah. does, he doesn't. And Nick uh, DeVries hits oh. the back of Lando Norris at the start. Have you seen the nickname he's got? No. Nick DeBris. Hey. Oh yeah, that's quite good. Actually. Yeah, I've seen that. He lived that. up to it, unfortunately, at the at the first first goal of the first lap. Uh-huh. He's not. Yeah, we spoke about it last week. He's not. Yeah, we got it last start. week. But yeah, but still a rookie. Max loses a position at the start, but he quickly gains it back. I think against Ocon, he then pulls a nice double move on Magnussen and Leclerc as those two are battling for forever in this race. Good yeah, though. Lovely. That was the best part of the race for me, Magnussen. Uh-huh. Yeah, he managed to hold off the Ferrari for oh, most of the race. 38 laps or something like that. Again. Yeah, no. Go on, Nick, sorry. Yeah, go on, Tom. Uh, final reference of the Gunter Steiner book, uh, which are co-written by someone from Leeds, fun fact. Uh, is that... <laughs> Tommaso Wardale. <laughs> no, I wish he was, actually. Um, oh, my God. Where was it going? Oh, yeah, yeah. In that, he's talking about how... Magnussen keeps getting his scraps for like people like Hamilton and Verstappen, which they're not fighting. And when he's re-overtook Leclerc, I was fighting with Leclerc and defending. I was mm-hmm. thinking, oh, but Gunther's doing his nothing. But actually, he <laughs> did have the pace on Leclerc for the majority of the race, only right at the end where things started mm-hmm. tailing off. Tailing off. Yeah, that's what I was most impressed with. Not that he was holding him back so much, but yeah, he, I think he happened twice, didn't it, where he yeah, Leclerc got past yeah. and Magnussen's just like, well... I'm going to go back past One you. of them was around the outside of turn two, and I was like, that's brave, but fair play. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He got the cut back on him on that one, and then I think lap 37, he was still behind him. Well, Clark gets him, um, I think, out in the last corner. Mm-hmm. But then I think he must mess up the first turn or not have any attempt on his tires because he runs so wide and Magnussen just drives through so yeah. easily. Yeah. But a lap later, he finally gets him. But that, that killed Charles's race. It's just yeah, stuck behind him. Um, Verstappen just cuts his way through the field. He got past Gasly easily, but George Russell was quite clever. He followed him through in turn one. Yeah, that was excellent. That released, that released the Mercedes past the Alpine. Uh, oh, what else happened? We're just watching Verstappen cutting, you know, through the field like a knife through butter. And yeah, you can easy. say yeah. uh, car advantage, and it is, it is a bit too easy. But there was a couple of times where he sent it late. Which I thought he didn't need to do. Turn seventeen, he could have just waited for the next lap and got DRS. But the DRS got him into a position where he sort of at least sent it a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everyone just kind of got out of his way, didn't they? They all know it though. Yeah, like Alonso was looking at his mirror as soon as he got there and was like, "Well, I'm not going to fight this." Yeah, exactly. Which is clever, but going back to the Toyotas and British Toyota cars, but it's not really, you know, it'd be just nice if I the know. cars were a bit closer. That's all. Mm-hmm. Nothing, I nothing know. against I the, know. the Max Red Bull in this scenario. It's just fantastic, best car. But I don't find it as exciting as it to see Max fight through the field because you know it's easier than most. Well, yeah, and it wasn't fighting through the field either, yeah. was it? It was just Going, driving past yeah, people. Waiting for the inevitable. 
Can someone kidnap Adrian New for six months? He's just signed a new like, contract, hasn't he, for another X number of yeah, years? Yeah, I know. Yeah, is. but if you locked him in a cabin in the Swiss Alps <laughs> that no one could find for six months, I'm sure Red Bull would get paid back at some point. Not that I'm advocating any crime, but, you know, I'm just speculating that that might help. Mm. You're on your own there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so, Carlos Sainz locks up going at the pit and gets himself a five-second penalty. And a, a very Carlos Sainz thing to do. Yeah. At the minute, yeah. Yeah. Russell picks up fourth. He puts a nice move on. Uh, Carlos Sainz in the middle of the lap. Yeah, I thought that was excellent. Hmm. Clark finally got Magnussen into turn one. He got the inside this time and made it stick. Then we get the strategy playing out between the Red Bulls. Perez was on the what was apparently the prime strategy, starting on the mediums, going on the hards. Verstappen dragged out his hards and went on the mediums. I thought Perez had a good chance when he was catching Verstappen after he had made his stop and got it down at about 14 seconds. But then about five or six laps later, the gap was back up to 18 seconds. And you're like, uh-huh. if Max can do that on 45 lap old hards, he's no chance. And by the time he went on the mediums, he got past Perez so easily. It wasn't even close. Yeah. Yeah, he tried to fight back briefly, but it was very half-hearted, it looked like. Um, yeah, the fact that Max could come from ninth position all the way up and overtake his teammate for the lead just goes to show that really Perez doesn't have a hope of winning this title without some kind of problem for Max for me mm, I agree we we but live in hope mm, you might <laughs> <laughs> I know I agree it's looking we have got Monaco coming up though which Checo's the king of the streets, apparently. No, I don't buy that. (laughs) A little bit of sales happened. Gasly makes an error. Leclerc takes six. Hamilton then gets past Gasly pretty easily. Uh, Hamilton then overtakes both Ferraris, I believe, Um, Uh as he's on the medium tyres and reverse strategy. And he gets up to, I think it was six at that point. And he ended up finishing there. He didn't give signs. Apologies. He was catching signs, but he, he didn't get signs at the end. So, yeah, Alonso take another podium, third place. Russell mm. kind of catching him, but um, not really. Yeah. Everyone else is kind of matched up together. Alpine's recovered after the disaster last week and had a, got points. Their team boss was doing an interview this week, apparently complaining about how amateurish. Uh, his team was uh, mm. in the first couple of rounds uh-huh. and he's not happy with the standards or the morale or the attitude in the team it's because his boss is saying that you're underperforming I think I saw a separate interview uh, Warren Rossi is it? yeah yeah. for the budget that they've been given they're expecting more yeah rightly so yeah I mean Aston Martin we'd go and get Otmar would you? <laughs> 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 yeah, it's, it's uh, that that team's been pretty poor for years, isn't it? They always have false dawns where they get something yeah. right and then they go into the next season and they've taken a step backwards, which seems to be the case mm-hmm. again this year. They are in a season yeah. now, though, where eighth place is a victory, mm. and because that means that you've at least beaten at least one of the Red Bull Aston Martin Mercedes Ferrari lot. Uh, but 
you'd have to say that Aston Martin's taking this miraculous leap from that midfield battle. Oh, yeah. And that's been a big impact. So eighth and ninth is the best Alpine can get from a race. Well, ninth and tenth is, assuming everyone else in front has a normal weekend and doesn't retire. It's just we had Stroll underperforming. So eighth and ninth it was. Yeah. And K-Mag finished at the points. It's weird, isn't it? One. One point for all the effort. Hardly seems worth it. Yeah, they're talking about changing mm. the points. They're talking about changing the points for the sprints. They're they're talking about changing a lot of things. And yeah, the thing you need to change is that the cars are closer together. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, it it does make me wonder actually if it would be too too much of a leap to introduce some kind of BOP. Yeah, it probably would be. You'd upset a lot of people, mm. but. It would uh, potentially bring things... Well, it would definitely bring things closer together, wouldn't it? Mm. Yeah. GT3 and racing thrives on it, but it's not without its controversies. Uh, mm. GT World Challenge Europe had its first round at Monza a couple of weekends ago, last weekend. And it was like BMW, one, two, three, four. And you're like, ah, mm. so in a 60-odd field grid, the BOP round here yeah. favours that car. And then you end up these debates of, well, it's just con- BOP's constant arguments. That's the problem. Yes, no, I agree. But it does work. You have to sort of look past it. It does work in terms of you get a competitive uh-huh. grid. Yeah. I didn't, as I say, I didn't really think this race was too bad. No, no, no. Compared no. to Baku. Yeah. This was a normal F1 race yeah. for me. Yeah, I'm with you. But uh, I did see on Twitter trending after the race in, in this F1 and open wheeler subcategories was the word boring. And As I said, that's a bigger debate, though, because you have to have the rough with the smooth. If you yeah. make every race interesting, they're all become boring because it's all too saccharine sweet. You know, you can't live on a diet of Haribo. <laughs> uh, yeah. You can try that. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As I said last week, most F1 races are fairly mm-hmm. treated. Um, and I thought this was fine for me. But we're back again with. Uh, Emola next up, and another crazy re- name for that race again is traditional. Oh, is it? <laughs> so that's in the same. We've got a, three races in a row now, or four races in a row. Goodness, I know we're at Emola for the Formula One Qatar Airways Grand Premio del Made in Italy eh, del Emilia Romagna twenty twenty three. Ciao, you missed out the ciao. Ah, ciao. Ah, <laughs> oh, yes. Ciao, Bella. Uh, so that's next, and then after that we're at Monaco. Which <sighs> did either of you see the Formula E from Monaco? No, but uh, was it was it a no. poor one? Yeah, it's pretty average. <laughs> and Nick Castle did an amazing move around the the outside of the hairpin. He got like three or four cars, so that was pretty cool. But you watch the highlights, and it just cuts and goes, "Oh, and that was the end of the race." And you're like, "Uh, right, yeah." I got a slight rant about yeah. Formula e, though, which just really quickly, really quickly ties into the debate about boring Formula One races. Formula E puts up a YouTube video for the highlights of the last, not the Monaco one, but the one before that, with something like over 190 overtakes. Wow! And I'm I'm sorry when it gets to that, it's not you. That's not an exciting race, and I'll tell you why because you've got the attack modes, 
you have to use twice in the race. So yeah. what happens is one guy pulls off yeah. into the attack mode, right? Which they lose two or three positions, but then they get extra power. So they gain all the three positions back. Then the other person does it. So you end up with the positions exactly where they were. So what was the point of that? That the the, the overtakes for the for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. So then Formula E trying to hype things up by the number of overtakes happened. Like a lot of the overtakes in the Formula One this race were people in off strategy, right? Because there's a bunch of mm-hmm. people doing the whole, we're going to start on hards and pick near the end. And they were all re-overtaken again, right, by those who'd already pitted. I know there's some skill in that, but it just not really for position. And as soon as F1 starts going down that route, like Formula E does, I think I'd rather have a boring yeah. race, to be honest. Yeah, Formula E, I can't, I try, I can't. It's just like toy cars bouncing off each other and the plastic wings <laughs> come <laughs> off all the time and it just looks mm-hmm. awful. Uh, I still pay attention terrible. to it. I still watch the highlights, but uh, nah, not for still me. Still work to do that. And then after Monaco, my, after Monaco, we've got my favourite track is in Spain, hey. Barcelona. But without the chicane at but, the end. Yeah, yeah. The, the mm. proper version, which may... probably will make no difference, but I hope yes, it, it does. Will. In fact, it <laughs> may become good. It might be worse. Yeah. Works yeah, for okay, MotoGP, yeah. but yeah. So F one back to next week. With the MLR Grand Prix, we'll be back next week as well with our review of is it Snetterton as well? Uh, not next week, two weeks. Um, I apologize. Yes. Yep. My calendar, my calendar's off. Two weeks we're back with both uh, Snetterton and MLR, which I'm sure we'll enjoy. And MLR, of course, Mercedes uh, bringing big upgrades. Other teams are bringing big upgrades. Blah, blah, blah. Tom, Tom, Tom loves these upgrades. So, yep. yeah. Should everyone will be, everyone will be level with Red Bull by then? Yes, so that's how it works. That. Yep. Yay! Woo! So, <laughs> thank you very much for downloading and subscribe if you enjoyed it. Uh, subscribe if you didn't. I mean that that'd be nice as well. And uh, yeah, if there's no more for you guys, we'll see you next time. That's it. Yeah. See you next time. Thanks for the rumble. Cheerio, bye.